Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And I have got somebody, I've been wanting to talk to this person for a good while now, and we've made it happen. And I always find that the, the, the conversations happen when they're supposed to happen. You know, things happen and things get pushed back and schedules and things like that. This lady is a rock star. She facilitates unlikely con- connections and helps transform lives one conversation at a time. She's also a colon cancer survivor. We are going to get into that story. I promise you we're going to get to to that story. If you're watching on YouTube, it's got a really cool background. Choose love, save lives. I am talking to Tabitha Cavanaugh, who joins me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Tabitha, how are you? Oh, Brian, thank you so much. You know, I'm excited to be here. And I couldn't agree more that conversations happen when they're supposed to. I have a million examples of it. So yeah, well, you know, I found that out when um, we we had a a we had like three winter storms within a seven day period. So we had an ice storm, snowstorm, ice storm, <laughs> and it was like, oh my goodness, you know, when you, you you got podcast scheduled and we didn't have internet and we had power but we didn't have any internet and so. You know, you just try to reschedule podcasts and grace. I'm, I'm so grateful. Most of the people that we had to reschedule, reschedule. We, we lost a couple of guests. It's okay. But Tabitha and I have been interacting on each other's posts for a good while. We've been trying to get this together. I am so excited that we got this together. Tabitha, let me start here. Take me through the last 14 months or so around the pandemic. Um, you live in the Pittsburgh area. I live in, you know, about four hours south of, of Pittsburgh. But we, you know, everybody's got different experiences where they live and things like that around what the pandemic has done and things like that. What's the last 14 months been like for you? And what's been an aha moment or a lesson that the pandemic has specifically taught you? All right. Great questions. First of all, we're so close. I feel like we should be doing this in person. Um, <laughs> yeah, we could meet in Clarksburg. That would be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, that's a great question, right? We've all navigated this pandemic. Um, it's looked different for everybody, but you know, the last like 14 months or so for me, have been a little bit of a whirlwind. Jeez. Uh, so it started a new job, you know, um, before or no mid pandemic. Um, and now I'm at another new job. (laughs) So, you know, nothing like changing careers twice, uh, in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, you know, I lost my grandfather to COVID last year. So there's been a lot, uh, it's been a lot of balance and just kind of going with going with the flow of things. And thank God my cancer journey taught me a lot before COVID. So um, I would say a lot of the lessons I learned were pre-COVID. 
and things that I was able to carry into this last year, you know, but for sure this last year reinforced just making the most of my minutes and living, you know, living graciously, um, living unapologetically. And those are things that I've been really proud to say that I've done this last year, things that I've, you know, tried to improve on myself, you know, just things like lose weight, um, you know, just start reading more, um, lots of things, but mostly family and friends and making sure that, you know, we've kind of kept our little bubble, but I, I refused to fully stop living during this pandemic because I had to stop living for a little bit when I was going through cancer. Um, and you just never know when your last day is going to be. So that was my own personal take on it, you know? <laughs> well, and, and I'm sitting here taking notes and, there's a lot of different directions. Um, and, and I'm writing this down. You never know when your last day is going to be. That's so true. That is so true. Um, because again, you know, the Bible says that life is like a vapor. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. And I know that losing my dad one day, he was here the next day he was gone, you know? And, and so in, in, in Tabitha, I can totally empathize with losing a grandparent through COVID, we lost my wife's 98 year old grandfather through, through wow. COVID. And, and so again, I can empathize through that. You started, you took two new positions. Everybody is talking about all this doom and gloom. All these things are, are, you know, work slowing down. Everybody's working from home and things like that. You started two new positions. It's tough to onboard one new position. How in the world, because you've got a background in recruiting, how in the world did you navigate through two new positions during COVID-19? Oh, man. So it has been a challenge because one of the first position was actually me switching into a brand new industry. So I wanted to be in healthcare and I finally made my way there after a few years in recruitment. And, you know, it was a contract position. Um and it, it just wasn't meant for that to be my final destination. And so, you know, one thing that I found so interesting in developing what I like to call a strong ass mindset um, is just remembering. I'll let that. you say that. I'm, I'm, I, I am going to, I am going to not repeat that, but I'm going to let you say that. It's, Sorry. It's, no, 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 no. I it's all good. Listen, I have. Listen, I have had to edit out F-bombs. I've had to, <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, it's perfectly fine. So let's park there for just a minute. The mindset. When, when, and you said something a minute ago that I love. You said that, you know, when you went through cancer, we're, we are going to say, I, I don't want to give that part away because we're going to save that till later in the conversation. But let's tease it a little bit. The mindset that you have to go through is that you go you 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 go from patient to survivor, and a lot of people that battled COVID were COVID patients. They've come through the other side, and again, I don't want to equate cancer and COVID. Again, it's one is a virus, one is not. You know, it's it's a disease. It is it is. You know, the, the, it's it's night and day. Yes, there's similarities. I mean, yeah, you know, people really did suffer through it, and, and we lost people to COVID. I guess here's where I want to go. 
since you brought it up, here's where I want to go. <laughs> I I felt I felt like for the last 14 or 15 months that we have pushed all these other survivors to the side and we just focused on COVID. We have been so COVID focused that, and I was talking to somebody one day and, and they were telling me, they were like, yeah, you know, we're still going. And, and I'm like, you know what? Dementia still happens because my wife's granddad had dementia. People still have heart attacks. People still have strokes. And guess what? People still have cancer. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like we forgot about those people, not to get political, but it's almost like we forgot about those people. And, and, and I said this one day in a kind of an offhanded way, Tabitha, I said, okay, if COVID is our primary focus, then why not just turn the cancer centers into COVID centers and turn the heart mm -hmm. centers into, into COVID centers? Yeah. Those things didn't stop happening. The people that had cancer were still fighting their brains out to try to beat cancer. And so, again, if, if you're walking that road and you're listening to this conversation, mad respect to you. Mad respect. So It's tough. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll interject. Yeah, please, please do. Say, please do. Because yeah, I know no, you've got no something worries. to say there. No, I just I wanted to say that you're so right. Um, I don't know how many people know, but, like, there are cancer patients you know, people putting their chemotherapy on hold because of COVID, because they, especially in the beginning, um, could you imagine, you know, when I was diagnosed, and I know we're going to get into this a little bit later, but that waiting period is, I mean, it is intense. Yeah. And so if you've got people here that are actively fighting cancer and they're being told, you know, they have to delay their chemotherapy, I mean, that's, I don't even know the word for that. I mean, that's so overwhelming. It's crushing. And so I just, the, to your point, a lot of things were ignored or pushed to the back burner during COVID. And I think we're starting to see the light, but um, yeah. Well, and, and Tabitha, to your point about that, and I love what you said there about the putting things on hold. Okay. For a cancer patient, when you find out that diagnosis, you want to begin treatment as soon as possible because cancer is aggressive. If you don't get out ahead of it, it, it can be too late before you know it. Um, having having friends and family, um, you know, losing my father-in-law to cancer, you know, um, we found out. 10 days before he passed away that he was in stage four cancer. It was just, oh. it's too late at that point. It's, it, it was literally too late to do something. And I love what you said there about the waiting period that happens anyway. And then to put it off again, you just don't know how that's going to react. Taking from your experience when you were going through that, what do you find correlates to that experience in COVID? Is there any correlation with what you went through with, with what people have gone through with COVID-19? Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, it's funny. You know, kind of the cancer community <laughs> jokes a little bit and says, hey, guys, like everyone that's quarantining during COVID, like this is what we deal with 
every day as a cancer patient, you know, somebody like actively going through chemo or, um, you know, for me, I, I'm, I've been out of it. I'm four and almost four and a half years NED, which is no evidence of disease. And so, um, that's probably got to be the coolest term you've ever heard is NED. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and and so I love I, what you said there, Ted. I, I, forgive me for interrupting. I love what you said there because you're, you're absolutely right. When people are going through cancer and they, you know, they're, they're in remission, your immune system to fight this disease is under constant bombardment because it's the treatment regimen that has to happen to right. kill those cancer cells that you just feel depleted. And, and again, I want you to take me through that here in a little bit, but I love what you said. Like, Hey, this has been normal for us, you know, and, and, and listen, when I would go to Walmart or things like that before the pandemic, and you would see somebody wearing a mask, you knew they had something wrong with them. Like maybe they, right. You know, maybe they just get, had gotten out of chemotherapy. They just got out of the hospital or they were, you know, just had surgery. You, you knew they were like, oh man, this is, this is something wrong. Let me ask you this. Do you believe, and, and maybe this is not the, the right way to ask this, but this is what's on my mind as you were talking yeah. about this. Yeah, go for it. Do you really, do, do you feel like being a cancer survivor like you are? Do you feel like it will change the way people perceive cancer survivors after the pandemic? Because a lot of people, to your point, to your point, people would go to the store, they go to Walmart. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm wearing this mask because I'm a cancer survivor. I, I can't afford to get sick. And now we've just generalized the mask so much that you really don't know who's, who's a cancer survivor and who's not or or things like that. Do you think we have kind of generalized those people who have really come through traumatic situations? I definitely think that, you know, in a lot of ways, I don't want to say it's been like diminished what cancer survivors have to go through or cancer patients, you know, people that are actively undergoing treatment that are maybe their levels are low and they really can't afford to venture outside, you know, or maybe they don't have the energy even to, to get outside. I can't tell you how many <laughs> days and weeks I spent in bed or on the couch. Um, but I, I don't know. I think people are so eager to get back to like the no mask situation. Um, I hope ultimately that, you know, the people going through cancer at any point in time are, are going to have the freedom to kind of, do what they were doing before in some sense. But right now, honestly, I think COVID has pushed a lot of those cancer patients into force them into their homes because they don't have a choice yeah, um, yeah. to go out and potentially get COVID on top of cancer is, you know, a deadly combination. Yeah. So, so while true. everyone's complaining that they have to wear a mask when they go out, there's a lot of cancer patients that can't even go out. Um, yeah, and, and a lot of people with with really compromised immune systems anyway, whether they have right. I have a sister yeah, yeah, I have a sister in law with a compromised immune system because of lupus. Exactly. And and so yeah, you know, you just have to kind of roll with those punches. And so I, I love what you said there because again, I think those of us that are healthy, 
right? Those of us that, and maybe even people that have gotten healthy after they've had a, a diagnosis and disease and they've overcome it and beat it, they understand the compromise, the health compromise that people walk around with every day. And, and right. I think, yeah. you know, I want to, like you, I want to see us get back to normal because again, I, I, I think people walking through disease states like that, they, they want as much normalcy in their life as they can get, you know, being around those folks. They're like, you know, don't pity me. Don't treat me any differently. I want to do what you're doing as well. Even though I've gone through chemotherapy, even though I've gone through this and that, I just want to get back to normal too. Like, I just want to go enjoy a picnic or I want to go to a baseball game or something like that. Right. Just be normal. Yeah. I mean, I used to live for the weeks. Um, you know, I had chemo every other week. So there was always a, like a four to five day period in between chemo where I'd start to feel better. Um, kind of start to get back to a better place where I would really be like living it up as much as I could. And by living it up, I mean, please, I was just trying to like get out of my house and see some people, you know, um, just give myself a little bit of variation because I was either in a hospital or at home, you know, recovering. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely live for that time. And now I feel for the people that really can't even have that in between time or because they just, they can't afford to, to take that risk at the moment. So it's a tough situation for everybody. I mean, I tell people not to compare because we all go through challenges in our life and it's all relative. You know, what might seem like a catastrophic mountain to you to climb might be different from the person next door or me or whatever. So I always just tell people like, you know, however you feel your mountain is, you know, whatever your challenges that you're facing, like don't diminish it. Don't, you know, say, oh, well, I shouldn't even complain because like you had cancer and I hear that a lot. Like, oh, I shouldn't even com complain because you had cancer and like what I'm going through is nothing compared to what you went through. But I think that God gives us what we can handle. And for me, handling cancer was something that I thrived at. Um, and I think that God put that on my plate because I think I was supposed to use that story, you know, ultimately for good. And God knew that. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and I, I just think he gives us, you know, what we can handle, but it is all, you know, it's perspective. It's where you come from. And that's why COVID for me wasn't as hard as it may have been, you know, if I had gone through COVID five years ago. No, you're a hundred percent right. Let's step aside, take a break. When we come back, I want to talk to Tabitha about one thoughtful connection. She and I have a lot of that in common because I wrote a book about connection called people buy from people. So I want to talk to her about one thoughtful connection. I love that. You're going to love it too. Tabitha Cavanaugh is my guest today on the intentional encourager podcast. Come back here in just a moment. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines 
in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Tabitha, I want to park here for just a few minutes. One thoughtful connection because I started writing my book a couple of years ago and it was off of something my dad said you know you know he said never forgets on people buy from people and i thought i'm writing a sales book got halfway through it i was writing a book about connection mm-hmm. what does connection mean to you that's a loaded question because i am probably one of the biggest believers not the only of course but one of the biggest believers in connection you know um as you alluded to earlier i facilitate unlikely connections. A lot of people are like, what does that mean? Um, And what it means is I just help people come together that maybe never would have met in this life. Um, And what that means, connection to me is is such a thoughtful thing. It's something I think about 24-7. From the minute I meet someone until something pops up that, you know, you tell me something and I'm like, always thinking about it. And then eventually, and it, it always happens this way for me, um, which is why I know this is one of my, you know, superpowers. I'm not good at everything, but connections is one of the things that, you know, I think God gifted me with. And being a resource, um, making sure that I have a big enough community, that I've built a big enough community to make sure that no matter who I meet, I always have something to give them. So I always have some way to bring value or to teach them something new, to introduce them to a new person, um, a new idea about their career, whatever it is. So to me, that's what connection is all about. It's about being a a point of contact, a resource um, to change that person's life. And I really think that that's what one conversation can do. And so, you know, something I lean on heavily is that one conversation can change the trajectory of your life. And I just have way too many examples (laughs) that can back that up to not believe it. I love that. One conversation can change the course of your life. I love that because that is so true. Think about it this way. Somebody you meet in the line, somebody you meet in line at the movie theater, if you're single, could be your husband or wife. Yeah. You know, somebody that you um, just happened to bump into in the mall could end up being your soulmate, you know? Um, and I, and I, and I, again, I know that's a little bit different way to look at it, but again, I've been married to the same woman for almost 25 years and we met on a blind date. So, I mean, nice. Congrats. yeah, so one, <laughs> one, a lot to get through 25 years of marriage. <laughs> what's that? I said it takes a lot to get through 25 years of marriage. (laughs) Oh, you you have no idea. 
yeah, and she and she would, yeah, that the yeah, that one conversation could be, you know, multifaceted. <laughs> yeah, we we can talk about that, but again, Tabitha, I love that because you know, people talk about, you know, when you change careers and things like that, and you've done recruiting and things like that for a long time. You may have some, and my dad always told me, he said, listen, it never costs, it never hurts anything to have a conversation. It costs you anything to have a conversation. But you never know that that somebody, you, you reach out to somebody and you go, wow, that, you know, that conversation could spark something or change a life or something like that. You know, that's how, that's how you think about Apple or you think about Microsoft or Amazon. And you think about, okay, well, it could have been a conversation that birthed an idea that birthed this amazing company. And so I love, I love that. Can you take me through a conversation in your life that changed your life? Oh gosh, I have so many of them. I mean, one of the ones that I always think of first um, is during my cancer journey when my that mom, I think, connected me to one of her friends who had gone through um, cancer. Not the same, not colon cancer, but a different kind of cancer. And she, at the time, said something to me that I didn't really, not that it didn't resonate, but it just, I was like, okay, like I took it for what it was and I just, you know, was kind of moving on. But it's something that to this day has stuck with me. And she just reminded me to breathe. And it, it literally brought this whole new intentionality to breathing to me that now I've taught my daughter. Um, I, I teach it to my clients, um, my friends, anybody that will, you know, listen, that's going through something. I just remind them to breathe, um, very intentionally. And so that's definitely a conversation that changed my life. I mean, man, I'll shout out Scott McGregor. Um, he's the CEO and founder for something new and, uh, man, the way that he connects people, the way that he gives back his servant heart, every conversation I have with him is transformative and every conversation he has, he brings that into what he gives to other people. So, I mean, there's just so many, I think that when you come into any conversation, with a, an intentional, self-aware mindset. There's a million things you could take away from it, but what I try to do with every conversation is not only listen and take something away from it, but every time I enter a conversation, I refuse to leave without making it better, without leaving it better than I found it, I should say. Um, and I think that's how we make this world a better place. I think that's how people can dive into kindness. I think there's so much there. If we all just kind of treated each other like family and, um, you know, leaned into that a little bit more and just decided, you know, what can I bring to this conversation today that's going to improve the life of the person on the other end of it? If that was everybody's mindset, I just feel like so many things would, would change, you know, for the better. Who's the one person that you would love to have a conversation with? Oh, that is a tough question because I could also think of like so many people. But I didn't mean to give you a tough question. I just, I, I, you, you asked about, yeah, we're talking about 
conversations and having the one conversation. And, you know, I had somebody ask me, they said, I was on a podcast and they said, well, who would you have, like to have a dream foursome with? Oh, <laughs> you know, playing golf. I'm like, well, me, my son, my dad, and Tiger Woods. There you go. Yeah. So nice. but who, who would you like to have a conversation with? Um, you know what? I'm just going to go with the first person that came to my mind right now. And that's Claude Silver. Um, Claude Silver. She's the chief art officer for Vader media, Gary V's right hand woman. And, uh, I always tell her that she's my spirit animal and I want to be just like her when I grow up. Um, and we interact through LinkedIn, but we've never had a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Uh, so I would say her because I feel like she leads with so much heart and that's all I want to do in this life. You know, that's all I want to bring to business. Business can be about love. It can be about passion. It can be about accountability and which all those things are the values that where I am right now at ChenMed that we live and breathe every day. So she is somebody that inspires me and uh, yeah, I would love to have a conversation with her. <laughs> I was afraid for a moment you were going to tell me it was going to be like a former Pittsburgh Steeler or something. Oh, like that. I was like, I was, I was going to be like, oh no, oh no. So no, no. It, no. It, you know what? Okay, so let me ask you this, and I'll ask you this. We'll take another break. What's one question that you would love to ask her? I mean. I just want, can I shadow you? <laughs> because I, <laughs> I, just, I love that. Can I shadow you? Yes. I'm sitting in your office like every single day for like three months and learn and listen and shut up and just absorb it all because I've, everything I see come out of Todd Silver's mouth is gold because it all comes from some of this incredible internal place you know, that she, she just wants to, to make everyone's situation better. She wants to, like I said, just lead with heart. I can't think of it any other way. So I think that's what I would ask her. No, I love what you said there. And, and I, I'm writing this down, making everyone's situation better, because if we're not doing that, then what are we here to do? is to make other people better. And so I, I love that. No, that's a great question, Tabitha, because, you know, can I shadow you means, can I learn from you? Mm -hmm. Can can I learn something from you? And I, and I love that. That's so good. Let's step aside. Let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to tell Tabitha's amazing story. You're not going to want to miss this. The incomparable Tabitha Cavanaugh joins me today on the Intentional Courage Podcast, back in a moment. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew, and he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger, deeper, and more powerful connector, you've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. 
You can go to Amazon and pick it up. Kindle, if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me, and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email, and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of People Buy From People. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Tabitha, let's dive into your story. I have, we have teased this. We've talked about this. <laughs> we, we've talked about, we've kind of just gotten ar around it a little bit. Now I want you to take me through your story. Take me as far back as you want to go. Okay. From, from point A to point B. Okay. So back in 2017, um, you know, that's when I was diagnosed. But if we rewind just a little bit so people can understand, and this is part of my advocacy work where I want everyone to pay attention to their bodies. Um, but, you know, it was about four months before my wedding. Um, and I, I was just, you know, I was having symptoms. And actually, even before that, I was having symptoms when I was pregnant. But I thought that they were pregnancy related. I'd never been pregnant before. So I wasn't sure. Um, so I ignored them. I didn't say anything to my doctors, you know, big mistake. Um, but ultimately, you know, I knew something was wrong. And so I kept going to my doctor, um, for about a year, a little over a year with new symptoms that had been evolving, you know, things like blood in my stool, extreme fatigue, um, dizziness, you know, some things like that, that just weren't going away and they were getting worse. And, you know, my doctor kind of rushed me off. Um, and I, to this day, believe it's because I'm, I'm so young. And, you know, I think a lot of physicians are like, oh, you're young. You don't have colon cancer. That's an old man's disease, right? So it was a lot of fighting, a lot of advocating for myself, a lot of paying attention to my body and realizing that I'm not crazy, like something's going on and I will wait and keep pushing until I find someone that will listen to me. And um, ultimately, it was the week I was getting married. I landed in the ER. Um, and a few days later, only a few days before my wedding, I'm, you know, sitting at the table in my kitchen, uh, trying to put together seating charts for my wedding and uh, prepping for a colonoscopy. Um, and then, you know, had the colonoscopy. Two days later, got married and definitely, you know, made the most of the day, even though... Um, I wasn't feeling a hundred percent. How did you push um, yourself through that? Because you, you know, a colonoscopy is nothing to sneeze at and you're, you're feeling bad. You know, you, you're still not feeling a hundred percent. How did you push through your wedding day? Yeah. You know, honestly, it was easy because I felt like I got through the colonoscopy and there's nothing I could do. Right. There's like the results hadn't come back yet. So I just, I'm like, I'm not going to ruin my wedding day. Like this is a, like one going to happen one time, you know? So, um, I really just lived in the moment and didn't even think about it. Um, that day really just moved on, you know, enjoyed the day, um, as much as I could and went on my honeymoon. 
Um, and, you know, on my honeymoon, uh, I think we, we came back and got a call from the doctor that you're great. No cancer. Everything's good. Um, awesome. Great. So I still had this polyp, which grows inside of your colon. Um, a lot of people get polyps and they can be removed very easily. This one in particular, of course, it, it was pretty, uh, pretty aggressive. You know, it, it had gone, um, a good way around the inside of my colon and, uh, so I knew that I had to get do something with it, right? I couldn't just ignore it. It needed to be removed. So long story short, um, after going through multiple surgeons who were telling me, you know, one thing after another that was like scaring, scaring me because they were making it sound really bad. And I finally found my way to a surgeon at the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio who put all of my fears to rest and, um, told me we could do this one hour procedure that would basically like start to burn off part of the polyp. And I tell you all of this because I had to go into that surgery thinking that I was going to be awake in 50 minutes in an hour. Um, but understanding that there was a possibility that they could get in there, see something, and it could end up being an entire colon resection. So that's what ended up happening was he got in there and about halfway through burning the polyp off, he realized that something was wrong and something was suspicious. And so he ended up, you know, six hours later, um, you know, I woke up, my husband had been worrying, of course, that entire time. Um, and I woke up to having had a colon resection where they took out, uh, you know, about eight, 10 inches or so of my colon. Um, and so it's the whole time we're thinking it's not cancer. And two weeks after my surgery, you know, I get a call from my surgeon and he says it's stage three colon cancer. Um, it spread to six of my lymph nodes. And um, fortunately, they were able to remove those lymph nodes in surgery as well. Um, but that started my journey, uh, you know, my six-month journey with chemo. And um, really where I feel like I was reborn. And I feel like my life kind of started over again. Let me ask you this. I want to, I want to ask about your support system because when people go through cancer, they don't go through it by themselves. You mentioned your husband and, and how was your support system going through cancer? Yeah. You know, I was very blessed because I realized, and I came to realize, especially that not everyone has a support system and Kind of a catchphrase for me since that has been cancer requires community. Um, it also stands for CRC, um, colorectal cancer. So kind of a play on that, but it's so true. And, and then I kind of evolved it into this life requires community because it really does. I mean, they don't say it takes a village for no reason. Like it's, that's how it literally used to be. So, you know, I had my in-laws, I had my family, you know, I had my friends, I had a whole community of strangers that came together to support me, to raise money, to, you know, I'm going to shout out Sarah Johnston. She is the connection I met on LinkedIn and she started a meal train for us and other people on LinkedIn that didn't even know me um, or that knew me and wanted to support, you know, came together to help with this meal train. I mean, Lila Smith, she ordered food for me and to have, was going to have it delivered to my house, but accidentally ordered from a place that was too far. And instead of like just saying, forget the whole thing, she literally ordered an Uber 
and had an Uber go pick up the food and drive it 45 minutes to my house. And I could like cry when I think about that because I mean, the support and the people that just like stood up and they were so selfless, like I'll never be able to repay that. I mean, I try every day. Yeah, <laughs> I certainly try. No, those, you, you know, and I know Lila personally, she is an unbelievable person and, and um, incredible. yeah, I I incredible. And Tabitha, that's the thing is you figure out pretty quickly who's standing in your corner, who's standing with you, because I would have to imagine I haven't gone through this, but it, trying to put myself into that position, I would have to think there were times that you felt by yourself. Like, like, oh my goodness, you know, my husband, it's not happening to my husband. It's not happening to my in-laws. I feel, did you ever have those times and how did you push through those times of feeling like you were by yourself? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. And I think that, you know, being by myself, like when I would be upstairs uh, you know, laying in bed or whatever, like unable to move, um, just so out of it. You know, I remember just like, sometimes I'd wake up and just, just be there by myself and thinking like, I don't know, just thinking all, so many different things. And I really stayed connected through the colorectal cancer Alliance and their support group. Um, you know, I decided very early on in my journey, right after I was diagnosed that my story, there's no way I was going down without at least sharing my story. So it could help save somebody else. Um, and so I really immersed myself in that community and getting involved and helping to support other people. And honestly, doing that, like serving others made me feel less alone. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting because for anyone listening and for any caregivers out there, I'll give a quick perspective is that I remember my husband, he used to always say like, oh, you've got, you know, you talk to all these support group people all the time. Like they're not here doing the laundry or, you know, cooking or taking care of you, like when you, you know, need it the most. And it's just so, it's just different. It's people that have been through it, that understand what it's like to have cancer and they, they just get it. And that's an immediate bond that is, you just can't replace that. Um, and it doesn't discount anything that my family and that my loved ones, that my husband, like doesn't discount anything that they did. It's just, you know, you think about like who's in your life and who's in your circle and you've got different people in your life for different reasons. Um, different people bring different things to the table for you. Um, and that's really what it was with cancer is that, you know, my husband and my family, they provided a certain kind of support, but then like there are other people, other survivors, other patients, and they just provide a different kind of support. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's really what it was. So I think the alone part, honestly, comes more after. Um, and I say that because, you know, you finish chemo and, people equate finishing chemo and ringing the bell with you being done with cancer. Yay, it's over. Being in remission, yeah, yeah. Like like, like cancer's never going to come back to you and it's never going to, yeah, 100%. And, well, and some people ring the bell and it's more of a milestone for them. Like maybe they finished that round of chemo or, yeah. um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that cancer is gone. For me, you know, it signified the end of chemo. Um, I thankfully was clear, but there's so much that happens after the fact um, when all the doctors go away, when all the appointments, you know, that I've been going to 
every other week. And more than that, in some cases, like, you know, I've had nurses come to my house to disconnect me um, when I had my port and the chemo that came home with me. So it wasn't just chemo in the hospital. There was chemo that came home with me, you know? So when all of that kind of like dies down and starts to disappear and people are like, forget, you know, they're like, oh, she cancer. She's good. Like it's gone. But like that's when the mental and emotional part of it really starts to kick in. And that's when like what they call scanxiety um, kicks in when you're about to have a scan and you're really worried because you don't know what the results are going to be. Did the cancer come back? You know, they say that in the first, um, you know, couple of years are vital. Like if you can get to the first two years without having a reoccurrence, that's like the first really big milestone. Like, yes, it didn't come back. It's been two years. You know, I'm coming up on five and I am just like, Praying, you know, that their every scan and every colonoscopy is clear. Because um, once you get to five years, that's when you can call yourself cancer-free, um, you know, and then have better chances of it not reoccurring. So, well, let's hope from 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 all of us here at the Intentional Encourager podcast, let's hope that that <laughs> five-year milestone comes and you are cancer-free. I've got to ask you this, Thanks. Tabitha. What was the greatest lesson you learned going through cancer? You know what? Um, through cancer came one of my favorite Bible Bible verses, um, Ezra 10.4. And I can thank my chemo brain for never, ever, ever being able to remember it off the top of my head, even though it's one of my favorites. But um, the part of it that I really like to focus on is the be strong and do it. And um the rest of it, and I won't say it so I can encourage people to go look it up. It's the ESV, the English Standard Version. Um, but basically, to me, it talks about building community and being there for each other and rising up and finding your grit and going and doing the dang thing. Because there's we get one chance at this life. And what spurred off of that was, you know, make the most of your minutes and strong-ass mindset. Um and all these things, because there's not always enough time. People are always like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it later. Um, and there's a million excuses. And uh, I think it taught me to have less excuses. I'm certainly not perfect. Um, but I think it taught me have less excuses. Leave a living legacy. Don't wait until you're gone to have this legacy. Like, do it now. Um, lean into your gifts now. And, and run towards those things. And uh, my relationship with God, you know, was strengthened. There were just so many positives. Like, I definitely call my cancer journey a blessing. But I also, on the flip side, realized that I can say that because I'm still here. And there are a lot of people that can't call it a blessing. Um, you know, I just had a, a, a friend lose her life to colon cancer last week, left behind small children, you know, and a husband. Um you just never know when your last minute's going to be. And that's why I refuse to stop fully living during COVID. Because if I leave my house today and get hit by a car, I wanted to know that the last year of my life, I lived it the best I could. Um, so I think those are some of my biggest takeaways from, from my cancer journey. I, I was able to find Ezra 10 for, because I have a Bible app on my, on my phone and the ESV version. And it says, arise, for it is your task, and we are with you. Be strong and do it. 
But I like the fifth verse. I'm gonna, I want to read the fifth verse that goes along with it. It says, then Ezra arose and made the leading priest and all the and all Israel take an oath that they would do as had been said. So they took the oath. So in other words, they all took the oath to be strong and do it. Everybody that heard those words took an oath that they would do what that passage said to do. So I'm going to encourage you, be strong and do it. Tabitha, I feel like you've got one more piece of intentional encouragement besides that. Would you share that with this audience today? Yeah. I mean, I'd love to circle back to um, kind of career changes because I think people, leaders and and job seekers alike make it harder than it needs to be. Um, there's tons of people out there with amazing transferable skills. And I could tie it all up, all of our whole conversation, I could tie it up right now with this one example. So when I was looking for my new role after my contract ended, I knew I wanted to stay in healthcare. And so I specifically targeted ChenMed. I knew that I wanted to be in another value-based care, primary care health space, um, that's where I felt like my heart was pulling me towards, you know, all of that. So I, what I did was I, you know, targeted this one company, um, that I knew I wanted to be at. I found, you know, as many people as I could on LinkedIn, um, in the talent department and started connecting with everybody. Um, I sent voice memos to people and, and just started putting myself out there. Um, I connected with Joe Messina. He is the director of TA for ChenMed. And he actually, you know, he got back to me. We were able to have a conversation and through that conversation, um, you know, discover what my strengths were and figure out where I could help fill in the gap um, at ChenMed. And within that two, within a two week period, you know, I, I ended up with an offer. Um, there was a lot that transpired in there, but my point being one conversation, one, let me rewind, one decision to choose Chen Med, not knowing if they were going to choose me back, but to make my own decision, regardless of the outcome, um, that decision led to one conversation that is literally in the process of changing my life right now. I'm in the process of helping to change other lives. So my encouragement to anyone listening today would just be, if you're not using your natural gifts right now, and you're going against the grain, and you're not happy I would just say, think about where your skills could transfer to and lean more on the relationships than just trying to send your resume out to a million people, hoping that somebody will respond. Um, so I just, there's so many gifted people out there that are not in a, in a fulfilling situation right now, whether it's professionally or personally. And I just want to encourage people to lean into what you're good at, the things that fulfill you and uh, I'll steal from Marie Kondo that sparks joy in your life. And that's really what I run to. I run towards the sunshine. I am all things like sunshine, rainbows, unicorns, all that stuff that people joke about. But I literally like, I can't wake up every day without being thankful that I am still here. Yeah. Because there were yeah. nights during cancer and during chemo that right or wrong, my brain was like, am I going to wake up tomorrow? And that is 
thing to think about when you have a two-year-old sitting next to you. So it's like, I just want people to, to make the most of this life and to give back and to be kind. And I think if we all do a little bit more of that, we're going to find ourselves in a very different world. Well, that's why I wanted to have you on. And that's why we, you know, I, I pushed for a while and like, please come on and tell your story because that's what we're, that's what we're trying to do is get people to understand that the, the greatest thing you can do every day is to encourage yourself, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through reading, whether it's through meditation, whether it's through exercise, whatever you can do to encourage yourself every day you're going to have an advantage over everybody else that chooses to go, I don't want to do that today. Ah, crap. I got to do this today. <laughs> they wake up discouraged instead of encouraged. And then what happens is, is that they get to a point in life like you got to and life's hitting them in the face and they don't know what to do. And so encourage it. So I, I love that. Thank you for, for Thank sharing. You. Where can folks connect with you? I know they're going to want to connect with you like I did. Where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? Yeah, right now, the best place to connect with me is on LinkedIn. So if you search tab the recruiter, um, that's my hashtag tab the recruiter, you will find me on LinkedIn, I promise you. So reach out, send me a connection request, you know, or follow me, whatever your preference is. Um, but I, I just, you know, my daily prayer is that God brings me to the people that need whatever it is I have that I can gift. And I pray that also vice versa, that he brings people into my life to bridge that gap or, you know, to, to help me in some way or whatever it might be. So that is my prayer that I hope to meet whoever it is, it's on their heart that um, feels like they want to reach out. So I love that. Tabitha Cavanaugh, this has been so good. I have enjoyed every minute of this conversation. I've got her cell phone number and I'm not giving it to you. So <laughs> don't ask, but no, it, I, connect with her on LinkedIn, find her content, get connected to her. Tabitha, this has been awesome. Thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thank you, Brian. <laughs>My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.